0: Well, cultural fire or indigenous fire management is looking after the land and using fire and utilising fire in many ways. And it's more than just lighting up the country. And we all know it's for cooking and ceremony and for healing and medicine and signalling and communication. There's so many things. And when we look at fire in its natural course on its landscape, then it becomes something even more special. Because when the lightning strikes, the fire is put to the ground, and it then burns and burns the country and if we don't manage the country, then that fire will you know burn all the resources and burn all our foods and burn all the me- all the medicines and so the people learn to regulate that fire and learn to live with it in a way that over many thousands of years to be able to regulate that fire in a way that's beneficial for the country and work out how that fire fits into the landscape in different soil types and ecosystems and the story for fire for each different place and tree and even for places that don't need fire. It's learning how to regulate those natural elements as tools that look after the landscape and right down to a real fine wire of applying fire in different ways to produce food and to look after our resource and to be spiritually and culturally in bind in as well. So it's a real layered and complex knowledge system, and it's more than just burning the country. And that's why the benefits of it and the importance of it is so important and so layered as well, and why it's so important that we lead with Indigenous fire management. And we're not talking about, oh, you know, let's Aboriginal people take over the fire and no one else involved. Not like that. We're talking in a way that let's empower this knowledge and give the capacity to demonstrate itself and... And how it will provide more benefits than just burning country to save our modern life and property, but our entire landscape and how that fits into us culturally and how that fits into solutions into the future.
1: I was wondering if you could perhaps give an example of, I know you've worked around the country, but perhaps of one place where you've been involved with this land management practice, just to explain what happens over time when you go in and start to make the country healthy again.
0: I guess one of the stark examples would be working in the Bundaberg regions and Western Australia regions and the southern regions over there, but particularly around the southern Queensland, where traditional owners have gotten land back that is just completely cleared and there's no trees left and it's just filled with introduced grasses and there's been cattle ridden for 150 years. And you know, I asked them, I said, what do you want to do with this? And they want to say, like, oh, I want to get this back to country. And how do we do that? And when we look at a country that's been totally cleared and mismanaged for so long and had a different use and has completely changed in many ways, it doesn't take away the natural law of that landscape, just what that country is and its identity. And just like Indigenous people, it like, doesn't matter how they grow up or you know, if they didn't get to live on their own country, they're still Aboriginal people and they still have an identity that can be recovered. And that's exactly the same with our landscapes. So, with that, healing landscapes is really a big part of that. And when we look at the country, we look at the soils, then we know what trees belong in that place. So, we know we apply that same type of management to heal landscapes. So, when we see a darker soil that's more like gum tree country, and we say, well, we'll burn this uh, introduce grass at this time of year to see if we can put the right timing in fire to produce the right plants and slowly recover a clear landscape back by using that original knowledge and from that practical baseline apply different adjustments to the situation at hand with the different problems that country has to bring that right temperature and that right type of fire back to country to promote the right plants. And it's quite like a, an artist with a palette of paint and you're doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that to try and get it back in the middle again. Soon enough, we, you know, within a few years, we start to see trees growing back and the native grasses coming back, and they are the indicators that tell us we're on the right track and right road to healing landscapes. And in some cases, that can take a long time, up to ten to twenty years or more of constant managing and looking after country. And in other cases, it can be quite quicker. But there's all different situations and scenarios, and it's not just one thing that fits all. But what is the case is that there's an underpinning knowledge system that is the identity of that landscape that we work from.
1: One of the things that strikes me when I've read your work or heard you talk is that you do really get the sense of the interconnectedness of everything, that it really is a system. And you've just been explaining a little bit about the connection between the country and the spirit. But the other thing that you've touched on and is a really central part of this is the actual land management practice itself is a community effort. And because the community does it together, there are a whole range of other dynamics that take place because of that. Can you talk a little bit about how this sort of land management practice actually strengthens community spirit?
0: Well, there's um, every time that we go out on country and every community that want to do this work, it's a phone call or an email that I get from them and that's the only way that I go and visit a community is when they really want to make this project for themselves and it's successful straight away when the community's um, when it's their own aspiration. A lot of the time people are just so hungry to get out on country and manage their landscapes and time and time again I just see healing um, that's happening and it's just amazing to see a lot of young people um, who are really shy and don't want to talk in public and their head's down, they are looking to the ground and see the transformation in them when they finally start to connect with their landscapes and their own country and they see these indicators and they learn something new and they watch the fire and they sort of connect to the landscape in a way that the land starts to show them stuff. and It's just incredible. And that's what I write about that chapter with healing people it's such an important chapter because what it does for people is just magical. And that's that cultural identity and people finding themselves through their own landscapes. And what I tell people is that, you know, you might have lost a lot of your elders, and you think you may have lost a lot of your knowledge for some. But, you know, that landscape there that is your country, that's your oldest living elder you have, and it's still alive. And That's where your elders learn from and your ancestors learn from, and that's their identity and their blood and their country. And It's just being able to unlock that knowledge and to be able to activate it in some way where people can actually start to read it from their own landscape. It's such a a healing process. The way that fits for non-Indigenous people as well, it's also exciting and beneficial. I've seen people who are just totally anti-fire or you know, don't really get along with Aboriginal people or, or have um, opinions and problems, totally change their mindset and their uh, outlook at life once they experience what we're talking about on country and connecting to landscapes the same way. So it's something that I see that is really crucial to exercise, and this is a big part of learning on country and, and connecting to landscapes, and where fire is a just introduction for the possibilities down the track. Socially, uh, right across the board for people in Australia, from non-Indigenous to Indigenous. And so I just see that if we keep on this path, I can just see more benefits into the future, particularly with getting people to work together and to evolve culture as a whole as well.
1: You talked earlier about the fact that you don't go in and work with a community unless they've asked you in. And I was just wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about how once you've had that invitation, you start to work with the community, what sort of process you go through with them, what happens in the workshops that you run. It's the practical way in which you get a community focused on this kind of land management.
0: Well, they usually they'll be working with an agency sometimes or, you know, whatever partners in their region and the communities would work through some of those or get in touch with me themselves just to say, hey, we need you to come down. We wanted to work on some fire projects down here. We're really interested, you know, in a real basic sense, you know, and that's really important in terms of cultural protocol because when you're sharing knowledge and you're working in the space um, of traditional knowledge and you know, it's really important that it's based on shared knowledge. And the shared knowledge platform is where we can work together. It's a place where we can help each other. And it's probably, you know, the strongest of all when it comes to traditional knowledge. I mean, you've got two components of knowledge. You know, you've got the sensitive knowledge that's sacred and that's just uh, language or stories or, you know, spirit figures in their own country or whatever. You know, that's really sacred knowledge or special medicines. But when we talk on the shared knowledge platform, it's it's our basic responsibilities that underpins us and our general health and looking after lands to keep it healthy. The health of that and ourselves is, is something that is shared knowledge. And you can say to people, hey, you better burn your country, otherwise you're going to get a wildfire, you know. So sharing that knowledge in a way that it underpins our kinship and our similarities and it's through the landscapes that give us that sharing process through the trees, the soils, and the similarities in vegetation and things that are the same but different. And when we focus on the country and we lead with the country and we respectfully are led by the traditional owners from that country with their own aspirations, then what we have is the right process and sharing knowledge and for that to be accepted. And when that's applied practically on the country and people learn off their own country and the fire does exactly what it does and plants grow back and animals come back and it shows all the indicators of success, then that's a really special thing because what that is 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 not fire management anymore. And obviously it is applying fire, but what it actually is is rebuilding knowledge systems from landscapes. And that is such an important thing because... When that matches with people's language, and it matches with their good feeling and their stories on country, it matches with songs, and if it matches with the knowledge they do have of their trees and their country, then what we get is all these things that line up that start to get us close to the true knowledge, the most accurate way of recovering our knowledge that is culturally ours and comes from our own country. And that can be helped through different neighboring clan groups and other clan groups in the region that have the same similarities or same country types that share basic shared knowledge to help join the dots for many clan groups. So working with the Karanda mob, for example, and Jabagai, and, you know, I was with the rangers there and we were in our own country and they had their linguists there and the linguist was listening and they had recovered that language and retaught that language in schools. But there were words in that language that they didn't understand. Like there was a language word that meant white smoke, and they didn't know what that word was. Although they knew the word and they knew the language name, but what did it really mean? And it wasn't until we applied practice on country and started to apply the practice on landscapes That the white smoke showed itself and why it was important and the clean smoke and the good smoke for the trees and the smoke that we produce when we burn fires and when we only burn the grass. It, It was so significant and it was an indicator that we're burning the right way. So, you know, language starts to link up with all these indicators. And just those amazing moments where you see people's eyes light up and, Just grow from one point to another in their understanding. That's probably you know the most important part of this work is that rebuilding of knowledge and sharing knowledge principles and indicators through the shared knowledge realm through indicators of country can allow us to rebuild knowledge systems and help to rebuild a lot of knowledge from country that would have been lost otherwise.
1: It's amazing, isn't it? It sits there almost waiting for you to find it. It's not lost; it's waiting to be found.
0: That's right. Well, when it comes to implementing the fire and getting the right fire back on country, it's going to take a lot of work. And it's going to be a massive corner to turn because, you know, we're dealing with mindsets and we're dealing with people. I mean, it's easy to get out there and start managing, even though it's a big country and we need to get people trained. You know, we're looking at fire programs where communities in their own regions can get out and start managing the lands and have the support of training and exchanges of knowledge with other fire practitioners from similar landscapes and helping each other. And the way that we've been doing it already is just community mentoring community and coming to each other's workshops and supporting each other at workshops and sharing knowledge and doing burns on each other's country. And it's sort of got us to a point at the moment where that started with Aboriginal communities but also involving non-Indigenous communities as well. And what we've been able to achieve, and when I say we, I mean all of the communities involved to date and everyone involved, is we've created that awareness now and a network and there's a way forward and something that people want to try and um, start to lead on. When we first did our workshops, we didn't get hardly get any indige- uh, non-Indigenous people and you know we didn't get any pastoralists. It was very just for our Aboriginal communities, but that's sort of changed now. And we've got everyone on coming to our workshops now from all walks of life. And over the last 27 years and to this point, a lot of that community is ready to go. And there's a lot of regions with black and white and agencies and private landholders that all want to see a program happen in their own area.
1: You mentioned there's been an increase in community interest and, of course, you mentioned that over the years, decades, you've been doing this work, community interest has increased over that time and and obviously after what happened over summer increased even more. But in all of that increased interest, has there been an increased interest from government departments in this kind of work as opposed to the community itself?
0: Well, I'd I'd have to say that the governments have been probably the least. I mean, I've had a few calls from governments over the time when the wildfires were happening and a few ministers, but it wasn't anything substantial. It was like, hey, uh, we're here, you're doing Nidin's fire. Uh, We're sort of encouraging you to put a submission in and that would be about it. (laughs) And there was no real genuine commitment from government or even, you know, the urge to even talk or even to sit down and work out why is this happening and how can this really help out you know, the, the Indigenous fire management? What can we do to, to solve these problems? It's been quite weak. And when we look at our general governments, like on the ground, last state, just our agencies that are working with everyday people on the ground and national parks and other agencies around the communities, you know, the people want to see change at that level. But it's the political, that high level that still haven't got it they still haven't come out on country to experience anything and I'm still yet to hear if they actually have listened or what is going to be the solution from here because I haven't heard from them so we're just on the same situation where we're just continuing on the same way we have building on the community networks that we have and trying to find some support in any way possible to kick off these fire programs in different regions and that's all we can do is just keep going the way we have gone.